Today, we're going to continue with our series, Jesus, Savior of the World. And as we um, go through the series, it's obviously leading up to Christmas. And I wanted to encourage you to be thinking and praying about who God would have you ask to come to our Christmas service. So you don't have to wait till Christmas. You can invite them out anytime during this service, but especially on that day. You know, I've mentioned it before that the vast majority of people, um, Christmas and Easter are the times where they're the most open to wanting to come to church. Even though they're, they're not a believer, they're not, they don't have church experience, but on those particular days, people are the most often uh, open. And so I want to encourage you to, um, a lot of times when we hear that announcement, we think of like certain people that we always think about, you know, but I want to encourage you to think about and ask God to open up any person. Right? It could be a person like your neighbor or someone that you don't even know, you don't really even talk to. I really want to encourage you to seek the Lord's prompting and leading in that. Because oftentimes when we try to do it on our own, um, sometimes successful, sometimes not. But a lot of times it's more successful when we see the Lord's leading in a part of it. And that's really how we want to do when we share about God. We want to have God be a part of it. And so I want to encourage you to think about uh, Christmas service and on the 19th, but to really keep asking the Lord, who would you want there to be? Who would you want to come on that day? So I want to encourage you to do that. Well, today we're going to continue with our series. Like I said, uh, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 3 in a minute, and we're going to see how God works through the generations. When we think about Jesus being the Savior of the world, uh, we looked at last week how it started... Uh, back in Genesis, okay? And we're going to see continue that in Luke chapter 3. Uh, to kind of intro that, I wanted to, to share, I think you probably have had this experience too. How many of you guys have tried to read through the Bible, but gone through Genesis, and then when you start getting to Numbers and Leviticus, you kind of like peter out, right? <laughs> it's kind of really hard to kind of break through that different parts. And some of the reasons why is some of the things are not familiar to us. And so they have like a lot of different like laws and regulations that don't apply to us anymore, but that were applicable to those during that time. Another thing that they have is a lot of genealogies, right? They have a lot of lists of people. And during this list of people, like it's all these people that we don't know and that we don't recognize. It's familiar to the people, the audience that the biblical authors were writing to, but to us, we don't know who they are. So it's just like name after name after name after name and like, who are these people? Like, why should I even care about who these people are? I don't know anything about them, right? And so a lot of times when we come across different things like that, especially like the genealogies in the Bible, um, it's easy to just get kind of go on autopilot and just look at it or just skip it over altogether. But I wanted to really encourage you to really look at it differently because the genealogies are actually something that's very important. Okay, so for the Jews, they were very meticulous in their record keeping about genealogies. They're very, uh, recognize the importance of what genealogies are all about. Okay, so as we look at uh, Luke chapter 3, we're going to look at the genealogy of Jesus. And then when we do, I'm going to point out some helpful things for you when you look at genealogies. Some things that will be helpful for you to kind of keep in mind when you come across one to maybe get more... Um, kind of insight into what's happening, okay? So let's look at Luke chapter 3 and look at Jesus' genealogy. Okay, so there's actually two genealogies of Jesus that are listed in the gospel. The first one here is in Luke, 
And then next week, we'll look at the one in Matthew. Okay, and each one it has some distinctives. Let's look at the one in Luke. Luke chapter 3, verse 23 says, When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. Okay, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Matthai, the son of Levi, the son of uh, Melchi, Melchi, the son of Jenai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nam, the son of Hesla, uh, Hesli, and the son of Nagai. Okay, so we'll stop here. Okay, there's actually a lot more names. Okay, but we'll stop here. One of the first things that I want you to recognize in a genealogy is when you have the list of all these different names and you see the pattern here, right? The son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. One of the things that's helpful in the genealogy is to look when there's something different. Okay, so do you notice anything different in this list of the son of? Well, it's the first one. The first one is different. It starts out as, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Okay, so when we look at that, we have to ask the question, why? Why is that different? What is the writer trying to help us to see? Why does he make this different from everything else? And so when you look in genealogies, and we'll see this even more when we look at the Matthew one, there's certain things that the writer's going to put in there that's like a little break. And it's like, it's different. And you have to ask the question, why? Why does this author want to point this out? So let's look at the first thing that's different, which is that he starts off the son of Joseph, but he adds, as was supposed. What does that mean? <laughs> so is Joseph really not the father of Jesus? Well, in one way, yes. But in another way, no. He's not the father of Jesus, right? We looked at this last time when we looked at Genesis. When Genesis chapter 3, we looked at it's Eve's seed that is going to produce the Messiah that's going to produce Jesus. And often, and as you look in here, the genealogy comes through the man. And we talked about the biological thing. The seed comes through the man. But in Genesis chapter 3, it says Eve's seed, not Joseph's seed. Right? And we said that is pointing to the Immaculate Conception. That Jesus was conceived not through Joseph, but through the Holy Spirit. Right? So this is another indication right here, is that it's the supposed son of Joseph, right? So that he's wanting to emphasize and point out that Joseph was actually his father in being able to raise him, but not his biological father. Okay, so that's the first thing we want to notice here, is in this list, starting from Joseph as Jesus's father, um, he's going to continue on through all of these different generations. Okay, let's keep going on in verses 23 to 25. Continues on, the son of Mathad, the son of uh, Matthias, the son of Simeon, and the son of jo Joseph, the son of Jada, the son of Janan, the son of Rasa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltai, the son of Nira, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosam, the son of uh, Elmadam, and the son of Ur. Okay, in this part, you started recognizing, hopefully if you can remember, or realize there are some repeats. Do you see a couple of the names that are repeated already? Now it's interesting because when we look at this, and we'll see this again on the next set of verses too, that there's also things that are repeating. Okay, so you can look at things that are different, and you can look at things that are repeating, right? In this case, we see several of the names are repeated. 
And it's important to note that when you look at these names repeating, they're not the same people. Okay? And it's often, it's confusing when you read through the Bible because you'll see that a lot of these names are repeating. Right? So when you look at the Gospels, you'll see Mary, and then you'll see another Mary, and then you'll see another Mary, and then you'll see a John, and then you'll see another John, and you'll see, uh, you'll see all of these different people. And it's interesting because they don't have a last name, right? And so you're like, it's confusing, right? Who is this? Is this Mary, the mother of Jesus? Is this Mary Magdalene? Who is this, right? So when you notice this, that's why a lot of times they'll have things and you seems to be confusing because you don't know if they're talking about the same person. But obviously in this genealogy, there are two different people. Joseph has already come up twice, right? But you notice that this is very common, okay? And especially common in the Jewish culture that they'll name people uh, by people in your previous lineage, right? We see that today, right? Well, people, like, they'll have a child and they'll name it after somebody. They'll name it after their grandfather. They'll name it after their uncle. And so you see that happening right now. That's happening here. So when we see different names repeated, that's just what's happening, right? So we see that happen today. Like people are named even the same name, like Michael Jordan. You know, you have Michael Jordan, the basketball player, but they have Michael B. Jordan, the actor, right? Same name, right? They're naming it after someone that they admire, Right? So when you look at these different names and you see it repeating, you, you need to ask this question, what's happening? What's going on here? You know, what is happening in this narrative? So when we look at the genealogies and we're looking at Jesus as an example of that, these are some things that you can see. What is different? What is repeating? Okay, let's look at the next set. The son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mattai, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Elkim, the son of Meli, the son of Menai, the son of Mattai, the son of Nathan, and the son of David. Okay, so we look in this, and some names might sound familiar, like Joshua, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Joseph, do those names sound familiar? You read through the Genesis account, those names sound familiar. But that's not the, that's, those are not the Joseph and Levi and Judah of what we come to familiar in Genesis. We're actually going to see that later. Okay, and you realize those, don't, those people don't come after David. They come before David. So what's going on here? It's exactly what we just said. When we see those names, they're named after the people that have come before them. Okay, so we see the same thing happen, what we just said. Okay, but the one we do recognize is David. Okay, and then when we look at the next one, more names are going to be starting coming familiar, right? The son of Jesse. Okay, we know David's father. Jesse was the one who um, they came and asked, looked at his sons. The son of Obed, the son of Boaz, which is in the book of Ruth. The son of Solomon, the son of Nashon, the son of Abinadab, the son of Admin, the son of Rahab, Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, and then the son of Judah. Okay, And this is actually the son of Judah, one of the 12 tribes, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, and the son of Nahor. Okay, so when you look at this, Names are starting to become familiar. So that's another thing you want to look at in the, in the genealogies. When you look at the genealogies, don't worry too much about the names you don't recognize. But the names you do recognize, pay attention to those names. 
Pay attention to why he includes those, right? And it's really interesting because when you start looking at the ones you do know, then it becomes more interesting, right? Because we all kind of have this too, like even looking in our own geological line. Like if you're looking at genealogy of, of this list of people that you don't know, it's kind of boring, right? When you, but if you think about your own genealogy, that's interesting, right? Why is the difference? Because when you look at your own genealogy, like you know these people, you know yourself, you know your parents, you know your grandparents, and you want to say like, who's my great-grandparents and all these different things. And it's actually interesting is that it's becoming more popular, right? Whether it's Ancestry.com or 21andMe or whatever those things that you kind of submit and they give you all of these like genealogy in your family line, it's like becoming more and more popular, right? And why? Because we're interested in that. Where's my family come from? You know, so it's interesting to me that when I look at my mom's side, my mom's side came from North Korea. That's interesting to me. That's interesting to me that I know in my family line on my mom's side, they actually came from North Korea. And then I look at my wife. Her mom's side also came from North Korea. And I thought, that's really interesting that the Lord would come to bring us together, where both our maternal sides, our genealogical lines come from North Korea. And I was thinking, does that by chance? Is that an accident that it happens? So several years ago, um, my wife was uh, starting to order these different books. And then, I, you know, those Amazon packages would come up. And I'd look at all the books. And she's, like, ordering these books out of North Korea. And I'm like, why are you ordering this book about North Korea, right? She's like, I'm not really sure. But I just felt like God's stirring my heart about North Korea. So then she started reading these books, and then she started walking, watching these, like, YouTube videos and these documentaries, and she's, like, getting really into it. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, why are you looking so much about North Korea, right? And so she said, again, she said, I'm not really sure, but I feel like God is stirring something in my heart. And so this was about three years ago, and God continued to do that, and not only uh, and then she started to get more and more and started developing a heart for North Korean refugees in South Korea, right? And when I started to hear that, and I was preparing for the message today, I was, didn't make the connection until uh, preparing for this message. Like, this is in our family line. And then I started realizing the truth of what we see in the Bible is that God works through the generations. It's interesting, when you look through the Old Testament, there's a lot of different names for God, right? You have Jehovah Jireh, you have Elohim, you have Yahweh, you have all these different names for God. You want to know one of the most frequent, and I think the most frequent name that God uses for himself in the Old Testament? What is it? It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what he calls himself. That's the one of the most frequent names that he gives himself, that he refers to himself, is, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what really struck me as I was reading through the Bible, as I normally do every year, i reading through the Bible, is that, why? Why does he keep calling himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have been dead for centuries, for actually thousands of years, He's still referring himself to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? And so I was kind of asking the Lord a question. Why do you keep referring yourself to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And this is what he was emphasizing to me and he was communicating to me is, I work through the generations. 
We're very kind of myopic. We're very self-focused in our own life. We just think about ourselves and maybe one generation out or two generations out. We don't realize that we're a part of things that God has been doing for hundreds and thousands of years. That God works through the generations. God works through our family line. It's not a coincidence, like I said, that both my wife and myself and our maternal lines have a connection to North Korea and that God is stirring something in my wife's heart about North Korea. That's not a coincidence. God works through our family line. You know, it's, we have to think about this. Our families are something that we don't get to choose. You know, you don't get a choice what family you belong to. God chooses that. I don't know why I was born in my particular family versus another family. I could have been born in Africa. I could have been born anywhere. I could have been born in any kind of family. But God specifically chose me. He said, even before I was in my mother's womb, to be a part of the family that I'm in. He did the same thing for you. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident that you are in the family that you are in, in your biological family. And God works through the family line. God works through the generations. It's really important to recognize this because if we don't recognize this, then we're missing this huge thing, this momentum of this thing that God is working and that God is doing in our life. If we don't recognize that we're actually connected to the other generations in more ways than we realize, then we're going to miss it. We're going to miss what God's doing. We're going to miss what his plan for us is. We're going to miss our part in what he's doing in these generations. Each one of these people had a part in Jesus' family line. Each one of these people from Jesse and Boaz and Judah and Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, all of them had a part leading up to the birth of Jesus. They, in their lives, that God used them and worked through those generations to eventually lead to Jesus. God has specific plans for us in our life as well. But when we look at our life, it's not just our life. It's our life in relation to our family line, in our relation to our generations. We have to recognize, and especially in the West when we're very individualistic, okay, um, that we have to recognize we're a part of something bigger. We're a part of a bigger thing that God is doing. And when we can't see that, and we're not conscious of that, we miss it. We miss what God is doing. And so even this week, I was asking the Lord, what is it that you're doing through my family line? You know, one of the reasons that I said yes to coming here to, to be part of this church and, and to help out as an interim pastor was because of family, you know, and to, to reconnect with, with some of my own family. And now I feel like my family's grown and be, you becoming part of my family, spiritual family as well. But I think that, that's one of the things I've been seeking and asking the Lord is, what are you doing through my family line? Because God works through the generations. Now, when we think about this and we ask God this question, I think there's a couple things that we need to address. One is, and I think it's true probably of everybody, that everybody I talk to is, every family has dysfunction. Is that true? Do you feel like you grew up in a dysfunctional family? I feel like whenever I ask that, everybody agrees. Everybody shakes their hand is like, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, right? And I think that because that's the case, because we are, you know, sinful people, we live in a broken world, I think that that's, thing, that's kind of the norm that what happens. It's not ideal. 
The reason I mention that is because when God says he works through the family line and through the generations, often this, because we grow up in a dysfunctional kind of family and we have experienced a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of damage in our own life and a lot of things that we're still trying to recover and heal from, that prevents us from wanting to step into our family line from wanting to receive anything from our family line, to wanting to believe that God does anything through this family line. We have to recognize this as one of the biggest obstacles to prevent us from being able to see and recognize what God is doing through our family line. You know, for me, and I've shared this in the past too, that um, I've said a lot of things about my own family, and in particular my dad. And I've uh, subsequently had to do a lot of confessing and repenting because every time that I would think about my dad and every time I'd bring him up, it was always negative, right? It was always things that were wrong and that he never, uh, never acknowledged me and always discouraged me and always kind of put me down and never gave me any words of affirmation and never spoke anything positive into my life, never told me he loved me, never said all of these things. And he was a very fearful person. I feel like he put all that fear onto me and he was doing all of these different things and look at back at different events and choices that he made that really hurt me and my sister. And I look back and I see all those things and I said, man, I don't want to be like that, right? And when I became a parent, one of the things I said is, I'm not going to be like my father, right? And the Lord had to address something in me saying, you need to repent from that. You need to repent from your view of your father. And it started because when I started having children, when I started having children, I realized being a parent is not easy. Being a parent is actually really hard and it's really difficult. Right? And my mom passed away when I was in junior high, so my dad was actually a single father. And the Lord started pointing me out, you need to see him differently. You need to see your father differently. The way you're looking at him, the way that you're seeing him, the way that you're judging him, that needs to change. And the Lord started addressing all of those things. And as much as I think there is some validity and some truth in, like, wanting to break the cycle, you know, you see this cycle of things happening through your family line, and you want it to stop with your generation. You don't want it to continue on to the next generation, right? You want it to stop with your... And so there's some truth in that, and I think that's good. I think that that's good in recognizing the, the negative things that are happening and not wanting to continue those things. And so I'm not, I'm not saying the Lord didn't want us to do that and didn't want me to do that, doesn't want my family to do that. I think he does. But at the same time, I think what he was saying is, you are so wrapped up in all of the negative things and all of the hurt that you experience that you can't receive any of the positive things that I've been doing in your family life. And so we want to, we want to come up with eyes wide open and say like, yeah, our family wasn't the most ideal. Or yeah, my parents weren't perfect and they did do a lot of things or said a lot of things or done a lot of things that are really hurtful to me. And to recognize that and to ask the Lord for healing from that. But at the same time, I feel like it's very important for us to be able to receive the positive of the things, the things that he's doing through our family line. And so I've been doing that before. I was doing that again this week. I was asking Lord, what do you want me to receive from my family line, from my father's side, from my mother's side? What do you want me to receive? I don't want to let 
Things that have happened in the past prevent me from seeing what you're doing. Prevent me from receiving the things you need me to receive so I can carry on what you're doing. You work through the generations. You want to work through our family line. You have been doing things for hundreds of years through our family line. I want to be a part of that. I want to continue on with that. I don't want it to stop with me. You notice and you see like sometimes God just skips a whole generation because they're so close to that. They're so wrapped up in the things that are happening to them. They can't see what God is doing and they can't receive it. You know, we see it like it goes from the grandparents to the grandkids and it skips the whole parent generation. And I just was praying to the Lord like, I don't want that. I don't want to be skipped out. I don't want to be left out. I want to be a part of what you're doing. So do what you need to do. Help me to recognize this. Help me to be healed from it. Help me to forgive it. Help me to let go of it. And then help me to receive the positive. Help me to receive the positive. Because no matter how dysfunctional, no matter how hurtful, no matter how damaging the situation that we were raised in, there's positive things the Lord wants us to receive. There's things that even when the parents didn't carry it out, didn't show it, didn't demonstrate that to you, they still carried that. You know, I look at my own father, who is very smart, very intelligent, very, um, very capable. Like, it didn't carry out. It didn't get played out. That didn't mean that he didn't carry those things. It didn't mean that I didn't receive those things. Biologically, you receive those things. Spiritually, you receive those things. We have to realize that even though if it's not seen or played out, we still receive it. We still have it. You know, we still have those things biologically. You know, we still have those things spiritually. Even if they were unable to carry it out, we still can carry that and we can live it out because God works through the generations. God continues things through Abraham and through Isaac and Jacob. Each one of those people were broken. Each one of those people were sinful. Each one of those things, people made a lot of mistakes, some big mistakes. Did that stop God from working? It didn't. It didn't stop God from working. He worked through every single generation. Even ones that were closed, even ones that didn't believe, even ones that made sinful choices, even ones that were doing all of these things that God wanted him to do. It wasn't bigger than God. It wasn't bigger than what he could do. It wasn't bigger than what he did do. We have to recognize what was true for this in Jesus' family line. It's true for us in our family line too. God is working through us. And it's not just us. It's through our generations and our family line. Let's pray. So, Father, I pray that uh, first that you would give us some grace. We really do need your grace to enter this. I think some of us do carry a lot of burden from our family line. And it's something that we do need to receive, receive from you and receive healing from you. And so I pray that you would give us your grace for that that we could receive uh, the healing and the love that we need from you so that we can release, that we can give up control, we can let go of things, that we can forgive and we can let go of those things. But next, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. What is it that you do want us to receive on the positive side? 
What is it that our parents carried and our grandparents carried that we can receive, that we have received, and that we want to recognize more so that you can use it more? We can use it for your glory. We can use it for our people. We can use it for our family and our circumstances and our situation and our future. Lord, help us to be open and aware and receiving. Thanks, Lord, that you to do that despite all anything that we've gone through, that you're bigger than that. You did that with Jesus' family line, and then you could do that through ours as well. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.